0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to NSPS Radio Hour
1: today. Glad to have you with us, as usual. uh, Well, at least we hope it's usual. We hope you're with us every week. Um, If not, then welcome to the show for the first time, perhaps. But uh, nonetheless, we uh, always hope to have a great conversation for our audience each week. And so today I have asked, Sean Fiddler to join me. Sean, I was I was thinking. Uh, welcome, by the way. Thank um, you. I was thinking back over time when you and I perhaps first ran into each other. I mean, I know we saw each other recently at the Oregon conference, but I, I was thinking back in time exactly how long it's been since we first met. It's I, I don't
2: remember exactly. Well, I think it's been uh, approximately twenty years um, at one of the conferences here in Oregon. Um, I was always uh, intrigued because I lived on the East Coast there for a little while in the state of Georgia, and you being from Virginia and you got that nice drawl, um, it was always nice to, to hear you speak and talk about the profession.
1: Okay, 20 years ago, no wonder I, I can't recall, I mean, hell, <laughs> I, I, I can't recall 20 minutes ago half the time. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: But, uh, yeah, and obviously you've been out there for, for a long time um and what what took you there
2: well you know i was uh, my career actually to step back a little bit from from oregon i started my career back in 1988 at a firm called rp legging associates that end up merging with a engineering firm called miller engineering and they were miller leg and um, i was dating a young lady at the time and we were looking to get married and back in those days the economy was tough and um Unfortunately, I was unable to find it work and uh, moved out of here to Oregon in the first time in 1991 um, and worked for about five years um, in that time and then moved in 96. I moved to Georgia, um, which was just a great part of my career. I still think about working for Southern Associates and going to the Samsung conventions. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny how I got in my career, they... We tell the story um, when I was the, I was a chapter leader, uh, president for one of our local chapters in the state of Oregon. Um, there's different areas. Uh, I think there's like seven or eight chapters, maybe more. Um, but I was telling my story how I got into surveying, and I think it's a funny story because I was a I was a young man, grew up in a church, um, went to a private school, Christian school, and went to college to a Christian college and. I had some bad habits. Uh, I was doing things uh, that I shouldn't have been doing and got in some trouble. Um, got shot. That's a, that, that probably surprised you a little bit, but got shot. Um, and uh, after that, about a year later, I got in trouble one more time and I finally learned my lesson when I was, unfortunately, was sitting in a jail cell. And about a week or two later after getting out and dealing with things, my father was a police officer, and he was a concrete finisher. And uh, so being around construction sites all my life, uh, either with my father or my grandfather, who was a superintendent, and to give one quick little story, I remember one time seeing surveyors when I'm sitting on top of this seven, eight-story building cleaning the roof, and I'm looking at these guys. They come out, and they bring out a tripod, and they put on an instrument, and then they get back in the truck. Then they come back out and they put some sticks in. Then they go to lunch. Then they come back and they sit in the truck a little while. Then they get out and they go and visit all those sticks again and they put marks on them. And um, I was like, "Gosh, they got a great job." And uh, but getting back to my story, my father was a police officer as well, and he stopped a burglary at RP Legging Associates, uh, my very first survey job. And um, for that, I was I just had odds and ends jobs after I dropped out of college. I was working at a Napa auto parts store selling auto parts and uh, so my dad started talking to the survey manager and asking what kind of things you you guys do and he says oh you know we do this and that he goes oh what kind of experience you need he says well I don't know about experience but he does he enjoy the outdoors well I back then I did a lot of hunting and fishing went to the Everglades on on a regular basis to just camp and live out in the wild and he goes, well, is he good with math? Well, I was one of those guys that I enjoyed math in high school, and I was very good at it. Uh, my major in college was to be a math teacher, and then I was going to work as a part-time teacher and a firefighter is what my goals were when I was a senior in high school. But So my dad told me to go fill out a job application, and I did. And uh, 31 years later, here I am still surveying. So I, I think it's kind of a unique story. Um, but... Uh, Oregon has been really good to me. Um, I've been out here for the last 20 years now. That's about the time I first met you when I was getting close to uh, getting my LSIT at the time, uh, my FLS certification. Um, But, uh, you know, um, Oregon, uh, it's a great state to work in if you're a young surveyor. When I worked in Georgia, I don't know about you in Virginia, but you still had to go down to the tax assessor's office, get some information. Go to the courthouse, get some more information, and hope to find a survey. Um, I don't know what it's like in the state of Virginia, but uh, that's how they do it in Georgia. So there was a lot of investigation done before you even started a job. But um, Oregon's a little bit, uh, when I first moved out here in 91, was the first time I used a D.C., a data collector. We did not use data collectors in Florida. We were still doing three, four-man crews. I had mold 41CV, and that's how I learned to calculate. But boy, the first time I used the tripod data systems, the TDS-500, I thought that was just, that was golden. And I I used it all the way up to the last year or so, I used the TDS software uh, uh, platform um, for all the crews that I've been running since, uh, since 2004 when I started my own business.
1: So you've you've had um, the business there
2: quite a while. Yes, sir. Uh, I started a business in 2004, um, and uh, I was working part time at another firm at the time. I just the economy was getting a little bit slow at that time, and uh, I was I was talking to a bunch of people. I was doing work uh, on the weekends for other for other companies. And I decided to start my own firm in August of 2004. And, you know, one thing, uh, this is a little confession here. I, I started a firm. It was not a land surveying firm. I, I did do my homework. Uh, God bless me. Uh, dude, well, you know what? Maybe I should step back right there. How I started my own firm. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I laid out on my living room floor, Kurt, for about a year. And every night I laid on the floor like I was on the cross, like Jesus was. And, uh, I asked God if this is what he wanted me to do. Because I had a pretty decent job at the time. And, uh, you know, things were going well. Getting ready to buy a house. Getting ready to get married. Um, unfortunately to my, unfortunately, but to my lovely wife, uh, my second marriage. Um, went through a divorce, uh back in 1999 and then that's when I moved back to Oregon um, so make a long story short I prayed and prayed and uh, I felt like God wanted me to start the, the company and um, when I did that uh, you know my wife and I we we started that company and um, you know things just Kept moving forward from there, um, and, but around 2008, when the economy was going bad, I started a merger with a company called Man Pacific, and unfortunately, things did not work out for us. In 2010, we uh, things started to go down wayward, and 2011, I had to start over, and I believe that was a life learning experience for me. I believe God had other plans. Um, my goal was uh, to start a young firm and. Today I would consider it not just a professional land surveying firm that concentrates on uh, one of the points I wanted to talk about was serve the public, um, you know, and that's to always give a uh, fair price, uh, you know, um, responsiveness, um, and uh, it's I've been blessed ever since. Uh, I went through a big struggle. I think I was looking at dollar signs, Kurt you know i mean it's kind of shameful not shameful but it's uh, kind of a confession as well um you know i was i was looking to get rich quick and you know retire early my father retired real early i was really proud of him i mean he was like 48 49 years old and he retired completely and you know i'm 51 and i'm not even close to retiring but i also don't want to retire i i love what I do. Um, as surveyors, I think that we're very fortunate to, um, you know, be responsible for so much. Um, you know, it's, construction staking is a big part of our firm and, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, little survey jobs as well. Um, we're, we're really diversified as, a, as small as we are. I mean, you know, we have about 14 employees full time. Uh, or 15 employees full time. And then there's three or four that are part-time that work with us and, uh, just a great little team here. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's how I got started. And that's, that's been the key. Um, we, what we do with our employees, uh, I think we do a good job at trying to make sure they are given a fair wage, uh, you know, great benefits through our firm. Um, At least I feel like we do. Um, Looking forward to getting some of these young surveyors out of college. We just had an interview with a young man out of OIT. Um, Looking forward to seeing if he's going to take our offer and uh, come on board this summer. And looking forward to training another, or not training, helping mentor another professional answer.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, the mentoring part is one of the things that I think a lot of us like better than almost any part of it, and and, and part, and I think it's partially because of the nature of who we are as, as surveyors and interested in all of those things you've talked about uh, in, in our opening here about wanting to help people and and uh, you know having that that serves the public kind of attitude, and that, that mm-hmm. seems to be. Really widespread. I can't say everybody in our profession subscribes to that, and maybe maybe right. they don't. But but for the most part, it it seems to be that way. And um, I, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, there's a lot of parallels here uh, between what how Sean got into the whole thing and 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 with me and everybody who knows me, as my dad was was a minister. Mm-hmm. And um, although I guess the one thing that that you maybe had a perspective on that that never occurred to me was uh easy money part i'm not sure I ever thought about it that way um not not that that's a bad thing but, but no. uh but it is you know it's one of those things, and we kind of get sometimes drafted into these things and and that was certainly true with me as well. But it's just been such a, a wonderful experience to have been and still hopefully still will be for some period of time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a lot older than you are, but so my, my time is shorter for sure. But uh, <laughs> what, whatever amount of time that's going to be is still going to be really really uh, feeling blessed. So believe it or not, we're at our first break. So uh, let's go take that break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
0: or go to QuickStake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for QuickStakes today.
2: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from eight to nine a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick your bike-friendly steak. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Quickstakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them.
1: Welcome back to our second segment today with Sean Fiddler on the NSPS Radio Hour. Uh, As we were saying when we were getting ready to go to to break, Sean, lots of similarities, and uh, perhaps that, as I said, maybe applies to a lot of other people too. Um, Oh, by the way, um, you mentioned SAMSOG. I'm going to be going to their conference this summer for the first time in quite some time. I've been to their conference a number of times, but it's been quite a few years since I was there, and one of my best friends in the world, a guy named Greg Johnson, um, has been active in SAMSOG for about as long as I've been involved in surveying myself, and uh, I always enjoy seeing him uh, when I'm able to go down there. He retired from uh, Georgia Power uh, maybe three years ago or so and spent most of his career there running their, their serving department, but he also got into the GIS side. and uh, Actually, he uh, when he was done with, with working at Georgia Power, he was a consultant to them, Primarily on more of the GIS kind of side, but the things he looked into were cases where uh, there was like an airplane accident. He's a he's a pilot also, an airplane incident that involved one way or other Georgia Power facilities, whether it was lines or uh, you know some some other facility that they might have. So uh, he's enjoyed doing that, and he's been able to stay active. And you know that whole thing about how long we're going to work and how long we're not going to work, um, you always have to factor in there that the the thing that we love to do so much uh we're not sure how we'll survive without it sometimes i guess and i don't know if you, i don't know about your dad but my dad got to to uh to do the thing he loved being a minister right up till his death right. so right. you know he never really had a retirement so to speak right. um but nonetheless it's it's you know when we get to do the things we want and you know, one of the other things you picked up on there in the early part of the discussion was uh, the concept of hiring young surveyors and seeing how they come along, and you know that brought to mind the whole mentoring thing. That is such a great opportunity for us as surveyors, uh, mentoring people in surveying and and in life. Um, uh, that's that was a big joy for me always was, and I've mentioned this on the show before. I I don't I'm not even sure for. for for sure exactly the number of people who've worked for me over time who became licensed eventually but it's like a whole other family you know and so uh that's something you're i'm sure you're already doing but you'll enjoy even more uh bringing on these younger guys and uh it's i won't say it's hard to get people in these days who haven't been through university and as it relates to being able to get licensed and all that but certainly that's a that's a big uh, recruiting ground for sure, and you guys got a, a great opportunity out there in Oregon to to find them. It's every time I round those kids from the schools there in Oregon, I'm I'm amazed. Um, I went to a little reception of the young surveyors when I was at the Oregon conference, and oh, yeah. the the kids were there from uh, from the school and from Oregon Tech, and I felt like a midget. I, all those guys must have been nine feet tall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a true story. Uh, those. Um the young surveyors, I, they, we've created. There's a couple of gentlemen and and ladies that are leading up the young surveyors network here in Oregon. Um, I thought that was a great opportunity to get to have people. Um, you know, I've just been one of those that's been fortunate. You were talking about mentoring. I remember one time, um, one of my associates, uh, not one of my associates, but one of the associates of a firm that we was working for together. Uh, John Love was his name. I just thought that was awesome, uh, his name. Because um, John, you know, you got John in the Bible, and then Love is the greatest of all of these. Um, but I was teaching someone how to do something on a data collector or teaching them how to do some surveying or drafting, whatever it may have been, because I was one of those guys that, when I got into surveying and I really started to like it, you know, I wanted to soak up, all information. You know, I was working my way to be a head A I was then I was working my way to be an instrument man. I just wanted to touch the instrument. I I couldn't touch an instrument for six months. I mean now I got people <laughs> they're touching instruments, data like they're, they're doing it all within six months to a year they're doing a lot of the technical side of things, you know, they know how to read those data collectors better than I do sometimes now. Um but uh I think one of the greatest things that was ever told to me is Sean, you should have been a teacher. I go, why? And he goes, well, because you get so excited when someone learns something. And uh, and I still, today, I get that way. Um, you know, you talked about mentoring. I have one employee. Um, he's like a partner. His name is Dave Roger, and he recently just got his license. And his entire survey career has been working for me you know, his father and I, we shared, we shared our faith together at another firm, and I got to know him pretty well, and I got to the point that I needed a, a technician in the office to do drafting, because there was times I just, I had too much business stuff to do, I'm resolving boundaries, I'm getting ready for the crew, I'm doing crew coordination, and every once in a while I had to go out in the field, and my first business partner and I, we just figured we need to get somebody, and one day I was over there at that firm, and I was talking to his dad, Paul, who's a civil engineer and, uh, or was, he just, he retired. Um, but, uh, he's just, I am looking for a draftsman. I said, do you know anyone that's got cat experience? He goes, my son does. I go, what? And he says, yeah, my son just lost his job like two days ago. So I told him, I said, well, have him come in. And I remember when that young man came into my office, I just like, that's the guy, you know, and I looked at him and I'm like, that's the guy. And, uh, Sure enough, he has been. I mean, um, you know, that, uh, and I, we, we do a lot of that here at our firm. We've, most of the guys that are in my firm have not been from, like, the school. Like, I'm looking at this young man right now and going to be writing him an offer letter. Make a long story short, he's the first one I've, I mean, I've had, to, I've told a lot of the students, hey, give me a call, you know, but we live way up in the north side, you know, we're up here in the Portland area just outside, just east of Portland and Damascus. And um, so with that said, I never got anyone, but we're always word of mouth. I mean, we have people I've hired. My, my stepson came to work for me back in 2006, same amount of time as Dave Vogler, and he's just been, he's become a great technician. Um, you know, Matt Taylor is just, uh, he's one of those good guys, you know. <laughs> I remember when I was young, in Florida, Kurt. This is a great story. This guy, he was fifty years old, and he had a hat that said "50" and feeling nifty. <laughs> <laughs> but that man could take a sixteen-pound sledgehammer, and not in each hand, and swing it and hit that bull prick to put a piece of wood in the ground, a wedge, so we could put a tack in it and call it a hub. That's that's a whole long story there. Um, that's the that's the that's the pure definition of what a hub is in the survey, um, what is, uh, it's a book, (laughs) Definitions of Surveying, it's called.
1: Yeah. Uh And
2: and the definition of a hub is a wedge driven in the ground, usually flush with a tack in it. And here in Oregon, we call, we put hubs in the ground, we call them hubs, but they're really wedges. We put wedges in the ground, we put a tack in it, but we call it a hub and tack, and I always tell people it's a hub it's not a hub attack but anyways it's a joke
1: you know speaking of the hub and tech thing <laughs> uh, it takes me back to early days in the 60s when i first started surveying in the mid-late 60s and um had an old party chief it was on a dot crew back in those days and you know he was he was a typical curmudgeonly kind of guy and uh had little little patience with those of us who were trying to learn and um we had a guy. Actually, it was a friend of mine who was working with us for a summer, and you know, we used to write on the on the stakes with with a like a crayon. It was referred to as keel. And, oh yes, yes. And so you would mark the stake and and put the the tack in, and then write on the stake with the keel. And so this guy who was my friend was following along behind him, and he was marking the stakes and putting the tacks in. And so they they came up to this spot and. And the uh, the party chief said, uh, "Attack and kill," because he wanted to give him attack and kill. <laughs> right. And my friend said, "Attack and kill what?" <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm he got say, he got berated for a while for not knowing the jargon. Is,
2: <laughs> I don't I remember first telling someone one time the first time to tell him to get some kill, and he goes, "Kill What's Kill? I you know you know crown?" And he goes, "What?" I said, yeah, like you know, crayon, and I go. I had to say it like three times before I probably said, crayon. I just called it <laughs> crown. That my uh, just from growing up, that's all what I always called it. It was never keel, but um, yeah, you know, getting back to the young kids. I mean, that's stories are they're, they're wonderful to share. I, I remember one time telling a guy to go find the monuments and he comes back to me with this monument with a cap on it and I just about had a heart attack. I was young party <laughs> chief and, and he he says, no, I did not dig it out of the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did you do? That's like gold. You know, you're supposed to leave it there. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll never forget. That's one of the stories I'll never forget. But yeah, you know, we, um, yeah, I think it's important, like you said, um, you know, as surveyors, it's, it's not just serving the public. A couple of the points I thought of when you were talking um, reminded me is we have to educate them sometimes. You know, we really have to educate people what they're getting, you know, or what they're asking for. you got to ask them the right questions, you know. What is it that you need? You know, someone says, I need a survey. Well, what kind of survey, you know, are you looking up to put up the fences? Are you going to, to develop the land? Do you want to subdivide the land? You know, uh, we we have thing called partitioning the land. You know, we can do property line adjustments. You know, sometimes it that's the part of the job I think I I enjoy the most. Sometimes is when I'm educating the layperson, as we would call it. You know, well, you, you um, know
1: that now that you mention that, it it it's astonishing to me that that education uh, interaction with the clients, asking the questions. Uh, it sounds like a really simple and Typical thing that anyone would do, but in my time in the profession, I've run across so many people who who don't ever want to do that. I mean, it's like I've had people say me I became a surveyor so I didn't have to talk to anybody. But but the the whole idea, as you just pointed out, that idea of client service and and making sure you understand what it is they're trying to accomplish, rather than just say, okay, you need this without actually talking to them <laughs> right
2: so exactly.
1: it yeah. it is amazing to me that 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 isn't i hope that's being taught in school I, I don't know if it is but maybe they maybe they think it's going to get taught once they get into uh the workforce but sometimes it doesn't i mean people get busy and per, i think maybe even more so when you're working in big firms where you have a lot of different layers you know my that's my right. businesses that i owned by myself uh were always small um, I was in partnerships, bigger companies with people, but even then, I had my group, you know, my survey group. So we were, right. we were like family, and uh, it's just always maybe you and I come by that by that uh, religious upbringing, perhaps. No, <laughs> uh, I don't it know, is. but but
2: uh, well, you know, it's funny you brought up religious. I mean, I have a book that's on my desk, and it's called Proverbs for mm-hmm. Business. You know, and it just it, it, it each day you can go throughout the whole year and read this book, and uh, but you know some of the headlines I, I just some of them I remember. It's do you take care of the small problems before they become big ones, you know? And it talks about Luke, you know, with the woman where she lost one coin. You know, she turned a light on to find that one coin, right? Um, it's like the sheep, you know. Jesus always there's always that one sheep. He'll leave the herd to go get the one sheep. You know, the one is more important. And yep. that's that's where it's like I tell my my crews, what's the most important job? And they have been trained, the one we're on. Don't
1: I, worry about
2: the five or six others until it's this hard one's to be, done. You
1: know? It's hard to believe, Sean, but I think we're ready for another break. break. My stopwatch wow. kind of stopped on me, but yeah. we're at the right time during the hour. So let's go take go. our break, and let's David will tell us if we're wrong. But I think we're okay. ready for a break.
2: All right.
0: Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Steaks, your back-friendly stake. This is Daryl
1: Poulos inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at
0: 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Quick, st- quick steaks is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden steaks. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 0387, or go to quickstate.com. That's Q U I K S T A K E.com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back with Sean Fiddler today, John, Sean. During the break, you were beginning to talk to me, but and then we came back from the break about the formation of your company uh, and how you started out. So maybe you could share that with the audience.
2: Yeah, I uh, I started a firm as a technical crew for hire. Basically, is what we were, is what I was sharing with people, um, and I. Started doing some work for construction companies, um, which a lot of construction companies nowadays, at least in the state of Oregon, they have their own technicians that are doing layout for them because they're allowed to on private property or for a construction company. And so we started a firm, and we were doing work. I actually was doing work for my old boss on, uh, you know, helping him keep up with his his projects because they didn't have enough manpower, um, but. When I started that business, uh, because I was really close to getting my license, I passed two of the three exams that we have to have here in the state of Oregon um, to be licensed. Uh, first, you got to have your L- FLS LSIT Land Surveillance Training. Everyone knows what that means, I hope. Um, and then you pass your State Pacific and your federal portion for your for your license to practice. And uh, so I had already passed the state and uh, LSIT. And I was getting ready to take the next one in in October, and I started my firm in August. And there came a point where I got a phone call and said, Sean, you need to be careful, and I'm going, why? And they said, well, because you're, you know, people are saying that you're you're practicing land surveying without license." I said, no, I'm not. not. I tell every single client I am not a land surveyor. I do use survey equipment to perform my duties, but I am not a land surveyor. So during that time, I, uh, my partner at the time, we, uh, we called up the state board, and I got a little bit scared because then after I started telling them what I was doing and that what I was asking about, I think they caught on, and they said, well, what's your LSIT number? Please send us an email with your LSIT number and everything else. So at this point, I am really getting scared. I just put my life on the line i've quit my job i'm starting this small small company you know my wife is a little bit concerned about you know where are we going to make the money to, to do the things that we want to do buy a house you know um and uh so i was scared and i remember like within a day or two i i had this back room in the warehouse that i was sharing with one of my brothers from church and uh he, uh, we had a recliner back there, so I'd go back there sometimes and I'd take my few minutes and do a devotion every once in a while back there, you know, by myself. And uh, I opened up my Bible to that day, Kurt, and it's a true story. Four times I did this, and I opened up the Psalms chapter 39, and the first words that are in, verse 1 says, Do not fret when evil men succeed, for the Lord will take care of them. And I was so excited when I saw that. I, I shared it with Bill, and then I shared it with my partner, and then I shared it with someone else. And every time I'd open my Bible and I'd tell them, and I'd say, oh, my, you know, I just had that, you know, the goosebumps come through your body. And uh, so that day, CMT, and ever since then, still stands for Christian Man in Training. And that's, that's all I am. I, I'm just a Christian that's trying to do the best that I can every day, do I, do I fail? Yes. Do I succeed? Sometimes. I, I hope that I, I succeeded enough to, to share grace. You know, I have employees that uh, wonder why I give people so much chances. I said, well, because I was given a chance. You know, if someone didn't take a chance on me, you know, um, what, what's going to happen? You know, I, uh, you, you take one day at a time and ever since then like i said went back to 2011 when i started over um I, once again i i didn't have anything kurt but my faith i didn't have anything i had my lawyer drove me home in my pickup truck which at that time was i had dreamed of always having a four-door pickup truck i mean did you, I, I don't know about what your favorite vehicle was but when i got out of fast cars i decided i wanted a truck and I drove a lot of trucks growing up, but, um, make a long story short, I, uh, got my dream truck, right, redneck Cadillac is what I used to call it, and, uh, I didn't have a dime to my name, I had to take my savings out, pay my parents back, you know, who have been so instrumental in my life, you know, my mother and father have been really important to me, uh, they worked hard, they did the best day job they could, and, they serve the public as well, you know, my dad being a police officer, my mom was a was a nurse, you know, and I became a surveyor and I I share that with people. I said, I may not be a cop and I may not be a doctor, you know, or a fireman. I said, but we still serve the public. We just don't get that recognition. We protect yeah. people, their bona fide rights to their property, what the bill says, right? I mean, um, yeah, I sometimes surveyor. say
1: to people a little tongue in cheek that Becoming a surveyor was the closest thing I could come to being my dad's profession, which was being a minister.
2: Exactly, um,
1: but it was it was from the side of the fact that our whole life is devoted to helping people solve their problems, exactly, um, or to help them straighten out some kind of issue they have, or whatever the case may be. Um, it, it was just um, one of those things instilled in me, and obviously it was in you as well. Growing up, that you know your your life is really about service, and um, mm-hmm. so just being able to do that um, in a way that is something you really enjoy. I mean, I you know i have like most people in the profession. I'm like you. I'm I'm sort of a, a, a math geek and a puzzle worker, and all the things that we surveyors are. Love puzzles. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's a, I call it the parcel puzzle, and so it's just. Exactly. Uh, everything works out that way. I'm curious, you talked about your L S I T. Um, when you, you set an L S I T number. We in, in Virginia we didn't get L S I T as a matter of fact when I was uh, after I passed the first exam it wasn't referred to as L S I T. That was nobody'd been smart enough to figure that out yet I don't guess. But we weren't assigned <laughs> we we weren't assigned a number. But I know now when people sign up to get into the pipeline to, to take the, the LSIT on, straight on forward, um, whatever number they're given at that point in time stays with them all the way through and yes. eventually eventually becomes their, their license number. Is that the yes. situation you have?
2: Yes, that is the situation. It's funny you brought that up because that happened to me because I took so long in between exams to take it that I would no longer have a number I would have been like in the late 2000s for the state of Oregon. I mean, they had over 2,000 surveyors since they started registering them. And I I remember sometimes pulling documents and going, oh, my gosh, his number was 36. <laughs> or this guy's number is 82. I don't think I ever worked for one that was long, smaller than 20-something but or followed his work. He probably didn't have a lot of uh, documents around where I live, but... Um, In fact, I never search for that. I'll have to search for that one time, you know, survey number, see what the first surveyor signed in in one of the counties. But, um, yes, you get like a five-digit number. I don't know where that five-digit number comes from. That would be something I should look up. uh, But I'm 50333, you know, um, and that's what my number was. The way I understand
1: it now in Virginia, of course, when I got my license, you were the next person to have been issued a license. So, I got my license in 1980. I guess it was, and and my number is one three six one thirteen sixty one.
2: Wow. Yeah. But yeah. but
1: now, uh, the numbers run really big, you know. And yeah. so, and the reason is anybody who applies gets a number, right? And if and if they never get a license, then you know the next that number, that number just goes extinct, um, right. right? And rather than issuing the license once you actually get the license and maybe that's changed for everybody i guess it it kind of makes sense i guess because in the age of computerization which didn't really exist very much back in those days uh, i can see that where they need to keep sequential and you know consecutive number kind of files and that type of thing so i, I guess that makes sense but i was just curious about it because uh, i would talked to other people where where that number sticks with you and i just wonder if that was the case maybe it's maybe that's the way it is everywhere now i don't know
2: yeah, it might be. I don't know. Like I said, that might be something for us to research. But uh, you know, another thing I wanted to go back to. Um, I was thinking about how we were we were talking about serving the public. I some of the things I remember the most is some situation I've, I've been in. I got I got one situation where I was actually on the local television news uh, one night, and I remember the next week everyone was telling me, "Sean, did you see yourself on the TV Friday night?" And I'm like, "No." Um, the, the local station has something called On Your Side, right? And they they go out and they're trying to be on the public side, you know, trying to help out the, the, the lower class. I wouldn't say lower class. That's not the way I want to say it. Um, those that need help, you know, they're on your side. We're here to help you. That's what they're trying to do. And uh, there was a segment once where it involved a survey that I did I filed and I remember having to go out there, and obviously you do this interview with them, and then they pick what they want for to be on a television. So, but the logistics of the story was, you know, this this gentleman called me up and asked for a survey, and, you know, he just wanted to know where the improvements were in relationship to his property line. So we did a little exhibit map for him and, um, you know, had a couple sticks out there saying where we believe the property corner is going to be. And approximate property corners, what we called it on the sticks. We didn't, we didn't file a survey because in the state of Oregon, if you set a permanent monument, which is a steel rod, iron rod, and five h usually uh, rebar, um, once you set something like that, you have to file a survey. So, with that said, I said, well, you know, let's, you know, this is not a survey, and I, you know, I put a note on my survey saying what the purpose of this map was and that a survey should be filed at some point. Um, this should not be used for any boundary resolution or boundary uh, transfer of land, or anything like that. So I try to cover myself and be as honest as possible, um, or uh, not as possible, uh, honest as always, uh, and um, so, you know, it was in this section in this guy They have, like, a common driveway. This is an old section of town, and every property line is smack dab in the middle of a curb cut, you know, where a driveway entrance would be. Well, people shared their driveway entrances in a lot of those areas. I mean, you'll see where people, they drive in between their houses, and then they jog behind their house to get into their garage. I mean, it's pretty interesting um, the way it was set up back in the late 1800s, early 1900s and uh so the the one neighbor built a concrete the the guy hires up to do a survey we do a survey he's getting ready to put a fence up and this his neighbor decides to build a brand new concrete driveway kurt right down the middle of the property line so half the driveways on my client's property the other half was on the other person's property and make a long story short this guy comes out and He has a fence company digging holes in the brand new concrete driveway. So you got two neighbors. You got two neighbors that will not step back. Right.
1: We're at a point where we have to make a break. So this is great because it's like TV. You have to come back for the next segment to see how it turned out. So let's go to break and we'll be back in a couple minutes. All right.
0: Quick stakes. Four three eight zero three eight seven, 387 or go to quickstate.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to
1: America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and
0: herbs. Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Steaks? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Steaks. Did you know that Quick Steaks are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden steak. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back-friendly steak. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Sean, I don't know if you ever remember, this was, gosh, I'm not sure how long the guy was on the radio, but he was on the radio for decades. His name was Paul Harvey. Yes, and, I do. And he had a show, and I listened to him, uh, <laughs> even when I was in college, probably more than any other time, because yeah. oftentimes I'd be getting out in the middle of the day, driving back to my job, yeah. and... Uh, and at the end of the show, it was always the rest of the story. We're going to tell the rest of the story right after the break. So um, we're Paul Harvey today, so <laughs> we're,
2: we're,
1: we're coming back for the rest of the story.
2: So uh, anyways, uh, what happened, I was. T- I think I, we stopped right at the point where the guy started digging the holes in the brand-new concrete driveway. You know, obviously the two neighbors, neither one of them was back and down. Um, and I got a phone call from the radio station. I was sitting there writing checks at my office. And when they said they were at KETU News, did you, is Sean Fiddler there? He did a survey on... I was like, could you hold on two seconds? I was yelling and, hey, find that job on this such and such, such and such, <laughs> you know, and, and bring it up to me. I signed checks I called them people back up and I said, hey, I'll be right down there to the interviewer and uh, two things on that whole segment that most of the other surveyors cuz it was amazing how many people started talking about me on some local blog and someone called me up and said Sean they're all talking about you on the blog it's just lit up you know and um, people were actually getting a copy of my survey doing their own research and looking if I did a good job or not and i was <laughs> i was like wow you know and I'm so glad I'm not caught up in Facebook. I mean, every once in a while I I check it out when I'm traveling or something because it gives me something to read or do and catch up on my kids and my parents. But um, I'm not much one of the social media crowd. And uh,
0: so anyways, to
2: hear that this was going on was, was just crazy. And I remember reading some of the compliments. But I remember going out. And the, the other thing that was so funny is these people—they took a wheel and they said, "Annie measured it fifty feet exactly." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing!" Because <laughs> you know how wheels—I've seen wheels; they can be accurate sometimes, but most of the time they're—you know—I remember someone uh, doing a baseline along the highway. We were doing an ODOT job, Oregon Department of Transportation work, and uh, they used a wheel to set all the stationing. And, well, by the time they got 2,000 feet down the road, they were 15, 20 feet off. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, and it was, um, we had to go back out there. They had one thing that was going in wrong. They said, this is not looking right. It's not where it's supposed to be. And sure enough, I go out there, yes, sir, this is wrong. We're going to have to restake it all today with the instrument and redo the stationing. So we had to go and cross off all the old stationing, put new stationing in. And, like I said, 15, 20 feet, but... So I went out there and, like I said, did the interview. And it, you know, it was the bottom line, in my opinion. You know, it's, I'm not a lawyer. I hope I haven't said anything wrong. Or, but uh, you know, it was just typical situation where people do not want to meet in the middle. You know, mm-hmm. I, I uh, as a professional, you know, it, it's like I heard from a lot of those conventions, from a lot of respectable surveyors, and I, I think I was very fortunate to work for very reputable surveyors in my time frame. I mean, starting from Mr. Legg down in South Florida to, shucks, Wade Donovan and Keith Siler and Michael Gates, who used to be my boss, now he works for me, and we, we actually... Work together in a 501C Corp, Livingstone Outreach, for kids in Liberia to get an education and housing and, and food, you know, just their basic needs. Um, but, uh, you know, with that, I was thinking of, I've been in people's living rooms, and I've been in their kitchen tables, and I'm explaining to them the map when there's encroachment issues. And I think this is one of the situations where I really respected this other surveyor and I still respect him today, because the neighbor was yelling and screaming at me the one day and I told the guy, I said, look, I said, all I'm here to do is do some measurements today, I am going to be walking down your property line, just wanted to let you know, and he he was giving me his two cents about his neighbor and I said, you know, I said, that's none of my concern, I said, but you know what I'll do, I said, I'm going to tell my client that I'm going to provide you a copy of my survey, right?" So I gave them a copy of my survey, and I, I didn't wait. No, I think there's like a time limit if they have to ask within a certain amount of time. You know, I have nothing to hide. You know, and that's the best feeling as a surveyor. I tell people, you can't be a liar. Because <laughs> you are not going to make it in this business if you do that because <laughs> you have to be, people expect us to be as accurate as possible all the time, you know, and uh, there's certain jobs you don't have to be when you're, taking out sewer, you know, your alignment could be be within a couple inches, but you better make sure those elevations are good, because that's the flow. And that's what's important, you know? Um, Making sure that that's what flows. So, you know, it depends on the situation, but so what happened was I'm in this person's living room, and I got a phone call from another surveyor while I'm sitting in this living room. And he started asking me, I said, oh, that's so funny. I said, I'm sitting here with uh, Mrs. Smith, and you know, and John next door, he, uh, you know, yeah. He says, well, he's hired me to do a survey. And he says, you know, I did some research, Sean. He says, can you tell me what you did? So I start talking. He goes, oh, yeah, I was going to have to tell my crew could look for that. And I found this. And he goes, yeah, I was going to have him find that. And then I told him how I calculated the block. You know, it was a lot block. It's pretty much self-explanatory if, if everything measures, you know, unless you have to do some type of proportioning or... Um, because of excess distance, or you know, e- or less distance, you know, if you, the block is smaller or bigger, and uh, so I told him what I did, and what I found, and how I justified my map, and he goes, "Okay, well, I'm going to tell the guy that your survey is good enough and uh, move on." <laughs> <laughs> never heard, never heard anything from that neighbor again. Never heard anything from my client again. And I think that's where surveyors better serve the public. You know, yeah. we work yeah. together. You know, we have a common ground. You know, and then just recently I had that happen again. Same type of job, Kurt. But my clients still end up having a certain, we tried to talk to the neighbors, hey, pay for half the survey. I've gone and talked to that surveyor. He showed me what he's done. You know, that surveyor's got more information in that part of town than any other surveyor in this area. You know, by far they got more information. They have information that the county surveyors don't have. Because they knew that these areas were going to be troublesome, and so they they spent hours and hours of man time to go collect all the data so they can get these subdivisions all they have it all in their own office. Now I that's a little too much work for me, but um, <laughs> but they're a good reputable firm and they do great work. And you know, so anyways, what can I? What would you die to ask me? So before we lose out on time. Um, I think I'd be interested in
1: your perspective on the future, future for uh, you and the company. Uh, you know, All of us, as we get older, we have to figure out what's going to happen with our companies and, and the people that are in them, um, and, and just for the profession in general. we got about oh, five minutes left.
2: So my opinion, a lot of people know what my opinion is, is what, why do professional land survey firms fail? They not necessarily fail, but they go out of business, is because some other surveyors that I, that were just at this last conference, they did not plan for them to leave. It's kind of like planning for your kids and your grandkids, right? The Our good Lord says the promise is unto you and your children and your grandchildren. You know, a good man will leave something for his children and his grandchildren. You know, that that's a way to kind of um, grade yourself, you know, am I doing something for my grandchildren, you know, I, I personally, um, well, I, I won't do that, because I don't want people to think I'm bragging, but, you know, you, 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 take care of your family, bottom line, that's it, you just take care of them, and as a grandfather, and as a papa, you know, you know, all my granddaughters got to do, but papa, and, okay, <laughs> but, uh, not necessarily, as long as it's a good thing, but, um, as I'm doing right now, I'm working on having a succession plan so someone can take over this company when I leave. To try and keep those morals that we we preach, um, the practices that we have, which I I think we I think that's one of our greatest strengths. And even some guys that don't even believe that when they first came on board, they do now, and they say, "Well, I'm just trying to do what you do." And I'm like, "Perfect," you know. And that's to serve if someone sounds desperate, you know, we try to help that person out. I, I go out in the field all the time by myself, Kurt. Well, not by myself. I make sure I take someone with me because I don't know how to run all the equipment as easy as some others. And I want to get the job done. So I take a good technician with me and we go out and we get the work done. And I think that's what we need to do as, as professionals is continue to share that attitude and what we do we are there to serve them. the future of the business it's changing you know I've I've heard a lot of speakers talk about you know the professional surveyors are going to be these guys with ties and coats on sitting in an office you know and looking at a computer I don't see that happen I think there's too many laws personally about boundary evidence uh, what stands to be a boundary line? You know, you go to court. They're going to be looking for lines of occupation. How long has that fence been there? Has the two neighbors agreed upon that fence over the last fifty years? Well, if they have, that, that could be the property line, right? This is this is all these common things that surveyors go through. Sometimes is where is the property line, and uh, I think they're always going to need that. I, I don't too many times in my career so far I got about a half a dozen on my hand that I've seen the GIS system be very accurate and I've seen the GIS be very wrong I mean terribly I mean now we're talking like 30 feet mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with the local city saying hey these people are going to have to do these type of improvements oh no they're not Sean because the right-of-way is right here in front of the sidewalk, and I'm like, no, the right-of-way is behind the sidewalk by about a foot, six feet behind that line that you're showing on your computer. Well, you better tell the county surveyor. I said, I am a professional land surveyor, sir. I'm not trying to be smart or anything. I'm just letting you know I'm the professional surveyor that's doing the work. I'm also doing the planning here. I'm helping out my client by doing this. Well, the county surveyor needs to write me a letter telling me that Sean's got it right. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So I did go and talk to the county surveyor, and sure enough, and you know, I haven't had a problem with the city for a long time. about since then, but you know, I mean, that's you can't just look at a map and think that that's accurate it's, unless right, stamped and, and you know.
1: And that's a common yeah. mis, misconception these days because of the ease of use of all those things, and uh, uh, it is a challenge for us. Uh, we there's so many things going on in the country right now where the whole concept of licensing and the way data is collected and the sanctity of the information um, is is brought into question, and it's just really uh, troublesome. And by the way, we are 15 seconds from being out, so I want to make sure I thank you for being with me today, Sean. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Uh, maybe one of the best I've ever had, and I really appreciate you being with me well, today. you're
2: welcome. All right, peace be with you, and God bless.
0: You too, and we'll talk soon. All right, sir. Bye-bye.